0: COVID-19 has accelerated our use of technology. How we work and where we work has all potentially changed forever. And this presents a a once-in-a-generation opportunity.
1: The market pressure means that if you're not being more and more efficient, someone else will and you will be dying. And that's true for like a big company, that's true for a startup, but that's true for a small business operation in like a local area.
0: This is Beyond the Capital from Supertech a new series that explores the future of technology in the world of work. Our focus is the tech scene that's flourishing outside of London. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen, and I'm involved in the technology adoption agenda and passionate about opportunities across the UK. In this episode, we're exploring how no-code development is revolutionizing the world of app building. I spoke to Geoff Walters of Million Labs, co-founder of the UK's only no-code incubator, and to Emmanuel Strashnov co-CEO and founder of Bubble, one of the leading platforms for creating no-code apps. Well, thank you for joining us. Could we start with you, Emmanuel? What is no-code? What's the movement all about?
1: Hi, thank you very much for having me here. The the no-code movement is about enabling people to do things without code that used to require code. And that can be applied to a lot of different things. Uh, We at Bubble decided to Target one specific thing, which is creating like general-purpose web applications, which I think is one of the most exciting uh, uses of no-code. But you could see that in a lot of other places. So it's really about taking you know what used to take years of training to achieve and make it more accessible through better tooling.
0: It's really that simple. Uh,
1: yeah, in many ways, I would say, no-code is what technology is about, pretty much since the beginning. Uh, It wouldn't be stretched to say that Windows compared to MS DOS is no code, was no code when we started it. You know, MS DOS was about typing code to edit a text. You had to type a command. I used to do that when I was a kid, but I forgot which one it is. And, you know, after Windows came, you just double click and that was working, right? And so here we talk about the same thing not to use the computer but to program the computer. So it's just adding another layer of sophistication to the tools. But again, this is what technology is about. Technology is about making tools more and more accessible to everyone.
0: So is that the mission of Bubble?
1: Very much so. We started a long time ago, actually 2012, because it does take quite a long time to get the product right. But we started the company in 2012 looking at, you know, all these people that had great ideas, but just didn't have the technical training to start them and get them off the ground. And we felt that it was you know, a shame that only one or 10% of these ideas could actually happen because of how hard it is to find engineers. And so we decided, let's just change the way people build things so that it's more accessible to everyone. Uh, and I'm hoping we have a similar impact to what Windows and you know, Macintosh had on the technology industry, which, again, managed to turn you know, billions of people into creators instead of just consumers.
0: So genuinely, anyone can do this?
1: Yeah. I mean, so to be specific, it's a long journey, right? So today, I wouldn't make the claim that anyone can use Bubble very easily. It does take some training. It does take a learning curve, which we assess, you know, depending on how tech-heavy you are, between five to 15 hours, uh, we think. But the goal is going to be to you know shorten that as much as possible over time. It's already, if, if, I, if I may, uh, quite revolutionary today that we can uh, enable people after a few hours to have the same power as software engineers. But we're working every day trying to make the learning curve a little bit shorter and the product easier. And the goal eventually is yes, to make sure that anyone can start building software. Today, we're not there yet, but we've probably expanded the number of people that can create software from like, you know, one to 100, uh, given that way more people today, for each engineer, I can probably find 100 people in the world that can use Bubble.
0: Wow. I mean, the fact that you talked in terms of hours there, not days, even you know, normally months, et cetera, That's that's probably a very exciting proposition. But is it really here? I mean, we've heard about the promise of just being able to build apps like that for, for a number of years. It's sort of the future. Is it, is it now?
1: I'm not necessarily the best person to comment on that. You should, you know, ask users, and they would tell you that yes, it is real. Um, it's right. We're in a field that is a little bit strange compared to a lot of other fields in the technology world, where you know there is in Silicon Valley this idea that you know fake it until you make it, right? This is not something that applies to our field because you're right. There is a lot of skepticism behind this idea because people have made that promise for like decades and the fact that today people are still learning you know HTML CSS and JavaScript in school mean that you know we haven't really succeeded that at scale it's not I, I'm not like that personally like I don't tell the things that are not true and I think it's actually very important in our space to do that because otherwise you would just reinforce the skepticism. But yes, today it is true. We've seen people that are non-technical that you know discovered Bubble in, in in the same year were able to raise you know millions of dollars of funding for their startup because what they were trying to do was to create a startup and they build the product entirely themselves. Yeah.
0: So that's probably a good way to segue to you, Geoff, Hello. on the more user side of things. And as a user, as a person supporting founders, does that resonate?
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, if you look at where we were uh, in January when we first started, we would look to work with about five founders in any given um, in any given month, and that would be a busy month for us. And our job was helping founders to get from a PowerPoint presentation with an idea on it to their first piece of technology in the market and trading. Uh, and our interest is, of course, to find those um, founders that build something truly amazing so that we can invest in it. That's that's what we look to do. Um, we've already signed up uh, 100 founders in December into Million Labs. Um, the volume has just exploded, and it, it's a twofold effect. It's the effect of platforms like Bubble, uh, allowing those founders to get to, to market a darn site quicker than they would have done last year or the year before. Um, and sadly, it's also the effect of COVID. We've got a lot of people that are looking, have time on their hands and are looking to make changes to their, their lives. And they've decided to become, um, startup creators. It has to be said, 90% of people that come into Million Labs are, are startups. It's a, it's a platform. Um, no code is a, is a, a thing that resonates massively with that startup community. Um, and so it, it's kind of supercharged it. Uh, it has to be said, seventy percent of the people that come to Million Labs are using Bubble.
0: That's really interesting because I wanted to explore the the how how do Million Labs and Bubble come together then in in particularly in a UK context.
2: So so we're really proud to say that we uh, we teach a lot of Bubble boot camps. Uh, a lot of the founders that come and ask us to develop MVPs, uh, minimum viable products, for the uninitiated. Um, ask us to use Bubble to do that. And so, you know, a lot of founders are seeing Bubble as a way to get over that hump of how do I get my, instead of spending $250,000 on building something in code to see whether people uh, want to use my idea, actually I'm going to spend... More like a hundred hours, or um, you know, maybe if they're getting an agent to do the work, you know, ten thousand dollars to uh, to get my idea to market. That's 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 kind of what we see Bubble doing for us, and actually, no code in general doing for founders and and doing for our community.
0: It's super interesting. I'm I'm just curious as to what led you to doing this now. I mean, Joffe, your banking background.
2: Yeah, I, I think. I'm very bullish about no code the way I look at the the sort of pre-seed and seed market which is what I'm interested in is that we can get founders to to a stage that that we just couldn't get them to at a rate that we couldn't get them there a year ago Um, and what I know is that that means that we've got to rethink the entire uh, way we invest in small businesses and um, we're going to see new types of small businesses being created that we never would have seen before, and so for me, 2020 has been all about learning uh, actually what, what what changes when bubble becomes used at uh, you know in anger. What changes in the sort of early stage digital startup world? And the evil reason for that is thank you for reminding me, Hillary. I am a banker. I would like to take a, a small stake in quite a lot of businesses to see if I can't find a, a horse in that race, which turns out to be be very very successful if we talk about we'd like to see the first unicorn in no code i think i'd also like to see a lot of small to medium-sized enterprises that are sustainable digital businesses being started this way and frankly my my sort of philanthropic side we've got a lot of people that are being made redundant at the moment that are losing their jobs because of what's been going on this year i'd like to see it being a way that we can get people back into work as well so you know that's 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 a huge part of this journey for me
0: does that does that accord with with the bubble experience or the view you're seeing i conscious you're in the u.s so how does it how does it look from that side of the pond
1: definitely i mean there's not much difference i think in on this one between you know US, the UK, the UK, the United States, France, like Germany. Even in emerging markets, we actually see Brazil is one of our strong countries where people have the same problems. At the end of the day, and I think Jeff presented it very well, this year in particular saw two things happening. Tools got better and bubble in particular, but the whole industry, because as you pointed out, it it does take time to get to a product that actually delivers on the promise that is being made here, and I think we saw kind of an inflection point with a lot of tools. And at the same time, the economic dynamics and like the sanitary situation has made that a lot of people are just you know being left out of the job market, and they need to find they, they need ways to reinvent themselves a little bit from a skill standpoint. And that one is not actually COVID. You know, software is here to stay. You know. All businesses today have to be online in one way or another. And most of the productivity gains you would gain as a company are done through technology. And so that's why it's so important to enable people to start companies or start products uh, for the businesses that they're already working at themselves. Because you can't live in a world where everything is done by, you know, a few tens of thousands or maybe 100,000 people in the world, which is fundamentally what we're seeing the technology world to be right now.
0: You're listening to Beyond the Capital with me, Hilary Smith-Allen. Please do rate, review and subscribe on your normal podcast app. And do get in touch if you have topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. To reach us, email us on hello at supertechwm.com. I'm wondering... Having reflected on the story, the the examples of founders and people upskilling, where does this fit into established businesses?
1: Because established businesses also need to innovate and invest on their technology solutions to work better. Like the market pressure means that if you're not being more and more efficient, someone else will and you will be dying. And that's true for like a big company, that's true for a startup, but that's true for a small Business uh, operation in like a local area, and today it is very challenging for them because they would have to spend you know fifty, hundred thousand dollars for a local development shop to build something that will be delivered. Like, let's say a better tool to manage your clients, a better tool to manage your invoicing. Like to try to automate a lot of those tasks that if you don't, someone else will, and you will be again irrelevant in the marketplace. And the challenge if you go to a local development shop or if you go to an offshore solution you know, through the offshore platforms in more low-cost countries is that very often it's going to take a very long time to get the solution and the world's changing so fast that what's going to end up being delivered once you're done will not be adapted to the current business situation and it's going to be actually pretty complicated to explain exactly what you have in mind. Uh, to the outsourcing company, and so you're going to end up having something late that does not exactly fit your need, and that was not what you had in mind in the first place. So the solution here is to tell people, build it yourself. Again, spend a few hours it is to learn, but then you can build it yourself, so you'll be able to get exactly what you have in mind, because you build it, and you'll be able to change it and tweak it as the business solution uh, circumstances change, so that you always have a tool that just fits your business. Could I
2: hop in just briefly? Oh, go and hop in, Geoff. Just to give you an idea of the application of no code, um, we had two projects go live this year for uh, one of the largest tech. In fact, I think the second or third largest technology brand in the world. Um, both no code projects and the feedback that we got on those, and uh, we still work with that client. Um, the feedback that we got on those projects was that we could get a project away to market something unique, something different that they wanted to try. They didn't know whether it would work. So exactly the same profile as a founder. Um, we got that done quicker than they could hire a project manager to start thinking about that project. So this for a major business is a great way of finding out, innovating, you know, tackling internal challenges, tackling customer challenges, trying things and Just to be clear, both of those projects are still live on the no-code platforms. They didn't move them off the no-code platform and turn them into to code. They've just continued to trade them in no-code. So, you know, that's if if one of the largest companies in the world is doing that, there's no real limitation to where we can apply the 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 strengths of a no-code tool.
0: That that was going to be my idea. It sounds like the only limit is your imagination. If I'm hearing that correctly. In terms of then the product, the productivity aspect of that has clear economic benefits beyond the individual business and for a region. And I understand, Geoff, that you're looking at that within the context of the West Midlands.
2: Yeah. 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 So I mean, one of the this is where I live. I live in the centre of the UK. I tell our our clients, if you stick a pin in in the roof of my house, you can spin Great Britain round on it. and I've been part of the the sort of tech community in uh, in that region for a very long time, one of the directors of of um, one of the large tech communities here. And for us, we see no code giving us two um, real um, ways of encouraging growth in the region. First of all, we want to start businesses here. We want to see new businesses up and trading. Um, but secondarily, we want to see people learning those tech skills and being able to use them to get back into work into different jobs or even taking the tech skills that they're learning on no code platforms and using them to um, generate better outcomes for the businesses that they're in. So what we're doing right now is we're bringing a, a huge um, no code training platform in partnership with local government um, into the into the central region. We're using Bubble as the, the platform that people will We'll learn to build on. Um, we're doing uh, a six-week boot camp, training them to to use Bubble and, and build their own technology. And we have a follow-on six-week boot camp for those people that want to become founders to to kind of pre-incubate them and help them take their idea and turn it into something that they can actually make money out of. Um, and for us, the real uh, I guess how ha- to voice that in a in a way that might be understood by everybody. Um, Normally, if I was to take somebody through a coding boot camp so that they could become a very, very junior coder, that would be 16 weeks full time. And the cost is around £8,000 to get them there. Um, if I do that on Bubble, I can get to a much better outcome in you know 12 hours for a few hundred pounds. And if I want to supercharge my local economy, that's the cheapest way I can get the best outcome for the people right now. Uh, and that's a real thing for me. It, it, there is no more important time for us to move and try and improve people's lot than now.
0: So I'm thinking about the audience. We have a lot of professional services firms, really big part of the West Midlands economy. And yet I can hear them thinking about LawTech, Proctech, FinTech, you know, your background, and saying that's all well, but it won't work here because of X, Y and Z. So how would you respond to you know such human-centric knowledge management-based Expertise, all of that. What what would you say?
2: I get that. Um, I think first of all, we started our journey with a fintech build, which was built on Bubble, um, and the way that we achieve. I mean, a lot of a lot of the the control that we require to meet the kind of regulatory standards of financial services, which is. Uh, as high might be different, but is as high as some of the regulatory standards in other markets is um, a a lot of that can be done within the box. You know, it's it's just the same um, building something properly in a no code platform as it is building it properly in a code platform. Um, However, where we need to have specific um, kind of controls that are outside of the 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 tools that are available to us you know platforms like bubble have the ability to um, extend into external services so we can use in fact we've built ai tools and um, we've built video conferencing systems and we've built all sorts of things which call off to external technologies to do jobs which aren't necessarily uh, in the box if you like
0: and yet million labs is one of the few if not only in the uk Actively out there doing and promoting it. Yeah,
2: well, it's very, it's very new. Emmanuel and the team at Bubble have been around since 2012. But like all, I mean, it, it's funny. I've been investing in businesses for a very long time, and we always say that there are phrases that people put in their pitch deck. You know, there's a. a, a we've been through, you know, cryptocurrency and blockchain and AI and machine learning, and uh, and the interesting thing is, I think we're now starting to see no code being the phrase that people put in their pitch deck. Um, so the, it, it's the year for no code or the years for no code are, have arrived. And, you know, it might have taken a little while for that to, to, to be the phrase that people are using. And you can argue how relevant it is or what's in that phrase or what isn't in that phrase and all those things that, that the community does. That's a little bit navel gazing. Um, I just see it as, you know, the promise of anybody being able to build their own technology without having to be a coder has matured. Um, that's how I voice it.
0: Do you have a favorite example, each of you?
2: Example of
1: what can be built?
0: Yeah, a favorite favorite application, or it doesn't have to be necessarily sophisticated, just something people can relate to that
1: you like. So I think to date, we got about 800,000 applications built on us, so it's a lot. Uh, One example that comes to mind um, pretty recently, that the person emailed me from France uh, and telling me that, without being technical at all, he had built a, a little web application to basically replace the in-person classes that you would get when you're a pregnant woman because it's something real that has been happening right now is that all these classes are canceled and some of them do them Zoom, via Zoom, but he was trying to find a way to create some kind of like a dynamic diary for women when they're pregnant. and so. Ba- basically walking through you the different steps and asking you questions to know whether you're feeling the right thing at the right time.
0: Joff, have you got a favorite example?
2: I think my favorite, uh, and I have to give a shout out to Truckzilla. Uh, Truckzilla is a is a startup um, founded by an eight-year-old girl and her dad, and they built an application that allows eight year olds who really care about this sort of thing to locate where the ice cream truck is in their local community. Um, so they don't have to wait for it to drive past the end of their road. They can go find it and go get an ice cream.
0: Uh, they are amazing examples, really human and, and real life examples. If you're all sat listening to this, what what would you do next? If you're in that professional services firm, Knowing that technology is something on the horizon, knowing that this is fundamental to probably the firm's existence over the next decade, yet you are too small perhaps to have your own department, and this could be an eye opener. What next?
2: It's it's really simple. Take don't go into your IT department. Your IT department already know how to to build stuff. That's that's their job today. Take every junior person in your office that's got a spare, you know. Uh, 10% of their day and they all have if you're a professional services firm and send them on a boot camp uh, like the one we're just about to launch locally um, send them on a boot camp train them to use a, a no-code platform and say to them use the platform to solve problems in this business come, in, come, come with an idea show me something that's going to make us more efficient more um, successful with our customers and let them amaze you and they will because they'll come up with things that the boardroom and the the marketing teams and wouldn't come up with because they're too laser focused on what you're doing day to day
1: there are plenty of ways to get involved here Um, the the most direct way and that's what we see every day uh, on bubble specifically is you know people coming on our platform and learning the platform on their own we try to make the learning curve as easy as possible with you know documentation video tutorials and you know interactive lessons um, and then you know a little bit of you know playing around for a couple, few days and then you can start building a project if you have one. That said, what we found out in practice is that a lot of people um, want a little bit more help as they are um, learning the platform. And so we started some educational programs uh, that we run ourselves uh, so we call that our no code boot camps where you know over eight weeks we teach people how to use Bubble.
2: So picking up off the back of what Emmanuel said, we are absolutely doing uh, exactly that. We're launching, uh, in partnership with Supertech, a series of professional services boot camps, um, which are rolling for six months uh, in the UK. We've got people joining those boot camps from um, actual professional services businesses. and We've got people joining joining from the universities across the West Midlands um, that are looking to that enter into the professional services space. We've got founders that are, you know, coming into professional services and building FinTechs, RegTechs, PropTechs, um, coming into a, a series of boot camps to learn how to build their own technology in no code. Um, so we're supercharging their technology skills. And then, you know, for those that are looking at launching a startup um, that move on into a kind of pre-incubator program where we teach them how to, um, you know, launch a business in a, in a kind of lean startup Uh, method way, how to get the first 100 customers, first 1,000 customers, how to pitch for investment, how to do all of those wonderful things.
0: I feel like I can hear the way of professional services firms and the concept of teaching a a lawyer to code uh, just just disappearing into the ether in a big, massive sigh of relief because I'm sure everyone thinks lawyers are good at law and teaching them to code is, is one solution. And maybe we don't need to go down that path now. Thank you ever so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.
0: That was Geoff Walters of Million Labs and Emmanuel Strashnoff of Bubble, speaking to me, Hilary Smith-Allen. You've been listening to Beyond the Capital podcast from Supertech, a new series that explores the future of technology in the world of work. Please do rate, review, and subscribe on your normal podcast app. And do get in touch if you have topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. To reach us, email us on hello at supertechwm.com.